Oz, let's let's reminisce for a second. How, first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Good, I'm doing good. fine. I've been. Nice day, uh, isn't it? it is a nice day, and I had uh, I did some coaching this morning. I do this camp, right? So we are having a total of sixteen kids. So it's pretty fun, man. It's right, different like, ages. Where, yeah, where are they? There's like between eight and the oldest of thirteen. So you kind of divide them in eight and eight. You mm-hmm. have the younger ones on one side and right. the older ones on one side. And the girls are doing really good, like really good. They, you know, I really at this camp try to encourage them to dribble because once they in the practices, right? Once they're in the club practices, they don't have that much time. They don't have that much chances. That's many chances to dribble, to really learn how to make your player. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at this camp, whenever we do a scrimmage or we play 2v2, I really encourage them to learn how to make dribbles, how to make, you know, a scissor or a step over pull back when is the right time to do it it's fun it's really fun to see them have the courage to do it it's really fun i wonder if uh do you think these kids once they're at home they practice a lot on their own they maybe go out into the yard or something like that and kick a ball around i think um one or two yeah i would say those are the ones that are yeah yeah i think of the 16 players i would say two of them is doing it, mm. but it's really one in this group. Is really one that really wants it. Mm. Why do I say it? I say it because he knows everything that happens in the soccer world with the transfers, the silly season, the Confederations Cup. He knows um, the players in the different big teams. He comes every day with new jersey. Today he had Bale, and I asked him, are you going to be like Bale when you grow up? Mm-hmm. I'm go- and he said straight up, I'm not going to say his last name. So let's make up a last name here. Say a random last name. Uh, Martin. M- Martin. Yeah. Okay. So then I asked him, are you going to be like Bale when you grow up? And he said, no, I'm going to be Martin. And I was like, that's a good answer. And right? That's a good answer. For, you know? how, around how old is he? This kid is uh, 11 years old. For an 11 year old? That's yeah. a good answer. You know, <laughs> right there. So um, I'm sure that he, when he goes out in front of his garage door or something, he, he says, hard. yeah, he, he, he's practicing, on, you know, a lot on his own. I asked him and he goes out and do pick up with friends. Good. And he, he, Today at scrimmage, he was like, oh, Martin has the ball. Martin yeah. goes to the left. It's an open goal. Martin scores. Oh, Martin is the goal. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And I was like on the other side of the field, turn around my head. And I see this kid just running with his arms open. And kind of then, you know, put his arms up in the air and two fingers top to the heaven. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not sure who he dedicated that goal to. <laughs> <laughs> but he was brilliant in that commentating. I mean, we've all done that, right? Remember, remember back in the day once we were his age. Oh and, man! Oh yeah, I do the same thing. Whether it was with 
sometimes I dribble around my yard or or street. That's not necessarily advised, but I'll say I, I dribble in the street. Um, uh, whether or not I was plant pretending to be like Kaká or Vino mm. or Ronaldinho or Landon Donovan or yeah. something, or half the time I was pretending to be myself, always get there. You're always kicking around, doing all these moves, commentating. King with the ball now does the pass to to Fabregas back to King dukes around the keeper it chips it goal yes! like and, <laughs> and you just see you just see the call in your head oh, you see you the it, right the goal in your head and then you just say it you just let it out uh, me and Dio did that a lot too you know after practices where we stayed and worked a little bit more on crosses it could be a corner kick it could be you know how they do in NBA, right? There's a thing almost like three, two, right. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, then you try to put it in the basket. In soccer, it's more like, okay, it's a penalty. It's a last minute penalty. And let's say DR is the goalie and I'm the, I'm going to take the shot. And it's like the last kick of the game. And you kind of, you kind of talk it up. You kind of talk exactly. the excitement up. Exactly, yeah. And really like... This is the last minute yeah, yeah. of the World Cup final. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like Sweden it against it Turkey, yeah. you know? <laughs> as big as it can be. Yeah. And I don't know how many times we ended up by getting into a fight. Literally, <laughs> like getting into a fight and being upset. And, uh, you know, when I was young, I really fell in love with Turkish commentators. Because um, I remember watching Galatasaray games on Turkish TV. It was really like exciting, exciting. Emotional. I know what you mean. I mean, me growing up, yes, especially this be you know a little more than ten years ago. There wasn't quite as much access to soccer on TV as there is now. Mm-hmm. You didn't quite have be in sports with so much traction or Gold TV or Fox Soccer and stuff like that. Uh, with so much traction. Amazing then. I Today's know, amazing so then. We're in the yes. good times. Good times to be a soccer fan, especially in the US. Yeah, um, sure. All this access, you know? But back then you had ESPN do the occasional game. Sometimes you'd have like Fox or something, but it just wasn't always there. So once I was younger, I watched a lot. I still do sometimes, but once I was real younger, I really watched a lot of games on uh, Spanish language television. And of course, you know, Spanish... Just like the Turkish. Oh, Spanish commentators yes. go all over the place. Yes. And once the goal is scored, just scream golazo so Golazo or yes. goal for like a minute or yeah. goal, 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 goal. Yes. Yeah. So uh, even once there's not a goal, you can just hear the excitement and the how it reflects the crowd at the time whenever, whenever it even comes close to a goal. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely know that. But of course, whenever you watch Premier League, you get the chance of Champions League or something and you hear... Um, you hear Martin Tyler every now and then yeah. or watch on YouTube or something. Yeah. And uh, just these English commentators that really do have a nice poetic way of speaking in English. In Sweden, you have a couple of that are very famous. Lasse Gronqvist. Uh, Billy, we talked about him in an earlier episode. The one with Germany. Germany yeah. against Sweden. And uh, Sweden's is more... They're so knowledgeable, so they know it more. They're a little bit calmer. But those games went... English. Exactly, you know, but those games when something really happens, it is like, wow. I saw this video the other day, we can't just play it soon, but I just want to tell you, 
Steve McLaren in the studio talking about England's team and he's praising England so much, right? Mm. And he's giving them so much credit and how they should play and how good it is with like Sterling and mm. <laughs> and this this game when they played against Iceland and he's in the studio live commentating while uh, giving so much praise to England and then all of a sudden from one one. He goes up to 2-1 to Iceland, <laughs> and his face just drops. <laughs> How have England reacted to that equaliser? Perfectly. Um, no panic. Calm straight down. Continue dominating the game, playing and staying in Iceland's halves. Down the right-hand side, Sturridge and Walker are causing all kinds of problems. And with that, Sterling is able to run across the field like he did for the penalty and is causing problems. England have had two corners. Uh, defending zonal Iceland and England are causing them problems. It's been the perfect response. You'd think that no problem, start again, keep dominating, keep getting uh, pressure on the Iceland back four. The only thing that they have got is the big boy up front, Sigurdsson, who really, Sigthorsson. Oh, oh my oh word. Oh. Tell us, talk us through that, Steve. I think we know what's happened, but talk us through it. Oh, just saying. Sig Thorson is the only real threat. I mean, just listening to that, it's gets you thinking. It's not easy to be a commentator. It's not, not just, it's surely not just going up there and speaking. Maybe for some people, they are comfortable enough or they're good enough for something that uh, they just go up there to the booth, maybe have a partner with them or not, yeah. and they just speak about the game, speak about, which is that's the life right yeah but it's not necessarily that easy because you have all these people watching you you are you become the voice of the game Ooh. for millions of people and for yeah. someone like mclaren or whoever whoever was commentating uh that game or any other game live live and live. something unexpected happens yeah. you have to keep your your stuff together and these days when you actually are reporting the game yeah live you are as the seconds goes by the game, it is becoming history because right. we can, through so diff so many different medias, go back and see these memor memories. You know, I go sometimes back and see the Atlanta United's first goal. Same here. It's amazing how it is, right? It's like life. Every second goes, and every second is past. Yeah. So you exactly. So yeah. you're always in the now, and then it goes behind. I don't know. No, that makes sense. I, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And also, I mean, these these calls, like I just said, they become the commentators become the voice of mm -hmm. the game. And I mean, what's a famous call? You can think of famous calls. We've done an episode where we talk about commentators and big moments for us, and you hear the commentator oh, yes. like Ian Dark's "Go Go USA" yeah. after Don that Donovan goal against Algeria. Oof. Right now, I'm thinking of. Martin Tyler, Manchester City against QPR. Yeah. Once Aguero scored that oh goal. Oh, my God. That was, that was Aguero! <laughs> <laughs> That's come yes. almost yes. as big as the game itself. Iconic, right? Exactly. Iconic. So, and uh, Ray Hodgson is really doing a great job at Bay in Sports by having so many phrases that... Yeah, you wouldn't normally hear. No, you wouldn't normally expect yeah. in a soccer game. But, <laughs> but he... he brings that that emotion and that color to it to to just speaking it's brilliant yeah. it's brilliant let me ask you this then have you ever played fifa 
and pretending that you were commentating on the game. Pretty much all the time, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I have like the commentators on, I pretty much always like commentate <laughs> at least once I score a goal and I go back and look at the replay. And then, yeah, I always like go back and commentate so, on it. What would you say is the easiest and the hardest part? Um, I would say for doing a FIFA, I guess it's kind of easy, especially like I said, I do it often once I go back and do the replay. Yeah. So I, I guess I know what's happening or what's going to happen. What happened too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah. but that was what I'd say the hardest thing is it's commentating live. It's, you don't know what's going to happen and you kind of touched on it. Every second goes by, you have to be caught up. You have to be aware with uh, what's around you. And, right. Or not what's around you, but what's around, you know, what's going on in the field. And I can tell you, not that many times, but I've seen several times where commentators, honest mistake, but they're just getting, like, a player gets the ball and they just get, okay, now, now, De Rossi has the ball, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. really, it's not De Rossi, it's oh, yeah. Florenzi that yeah. has the ball. And I yeah. can see that clearly yeah. on TV, yeah. but um, they just make that mistake. Yeah. But, and, uh, and and sometimes you understand when you w- watching the games like okay now they have been talking too much yeah the co-host and yeah. the co- they've been having too long a discussion about something that is not really relevant relevant to this game but I mean a little bit too long right and uh, it's not easy and you definitely need experience practice and practice I think that's it man like in soccer right I mean. I don't know how many dreams we had as a kid, but you still need to practice to get there. Yeah. And today, if you look at this commentating world, right, I don't know what happened. It's almost like all these superstars, the Pepsi commercials, the Adidas commercials, the Nike commercials, all these players that retired need to be in the air. I don't know if that sounds too rough. What do you mean by that? I mean, you know, you look at the, you look at the experts today. You have Thierry Henry, you have Gary Neville, you have Phil Neville, you have Scholes, you have Gerard, you have even Lampard, you have Rio, you have Redknapp. Yeah. I mean, can you name more? There is so many more. You 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 have uh, even other programs right now that does it. You have so many stars, right? I mean, it's probably I mean, hard to. Don't get me wrong. They know. Probably soccer is so much better than me. Yeah. Like they've been at the Champions League perspective. Yes, they have it. And I respect it. I'm not saying anything against it. But what about, what about, what about guys like us? Exactly. You know, what about guys like they really dreams of being there? They really want to be there. Is practicing hard enough when there is maybe one open seat? Yeah, I know. And just, one open seat for a random person to get into? I know, they seem so keen. And if I were a professional player and I'd eventually retire, I think I might, I wouldn't be surprised if I went the same route and I became a commentator or analyst afterwards, after being a player. But they just seem so keen or so eager to get those sort of people first. Right now, it does. Yes. Like the first look is to get another player or ex-coach or something like that, rather than maybe just a, a journalist or podcast artists, <laughs> or you name it. Yeah, yeah. So it's tough getting into that circle, uh, but it can be done. It can be done. Who has done it? They kind of came from 
not really nowhere, but for maybe for public nowhere, kind of broke this well, circle yeah. to get into it. Yeah. Well, I would say, I mean, one guy that I am very admirable of. Are you in love? One with? guy that I, I would you, say, you, you in love with. <laughs> <laughs> I would say one guy that I'm in love with. Is... <laughs> <laughs> coming out. <laughs> yeah, I love. <laughs> it was here. Unfortunately, he doesn't know who I am. No. All right. Um, I would say one guy that I admire a lot is. I love all the guys on VN Sports. Yeah. Uh, they have a good chemistry. They do. For sure. They do. And honestly, VN Sports, you have like Ray Hudson, who's a former player. Yep. Thomas Rung, who's a former player and yep. coach. And Ray Hudson, the former coach. Christian Vieri, who's a former He's player. He's a character. It really is. Yes. It really is. So they have those, those yep. former players and former coaches like we were talking about. But then you also have Phil Shane. You have your Andres, Cord- uh, Andres Cordero. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have your Kevin Egan. Yeah. Who... who Got their work from from you know journalism up or just by being around the right people you know and uh, Kevin Egan's a guy that's I I've really admired since since he's joined BN since I've really started following him and listening to him uh, for a couple of years now or so he really grew on me when I watched the first games of Atlanta United. Yeah, I'm on replay at least. I went to the home games, right? But you can watch the replay, same replays or the away games. When he was involved, I really got a sense of this person as really good and talented in what he does. It looks so natural, so knowledgeable too. Yes, yes, and he has the sense of would look at the cameras, what topics to talk about when to go to the next exactly. topic yeah. he has that experience yeah. and uh, as more we looked into kevin more inspired did me and kerry get i mean we really like the approach he has and the mindset he has he always smiles yeah. as a positive yeah. guy he's very inspirational to listen to and it hasn't been a you know, he hasn't been a dance to get to where he's at. It's not like you just one day, you know what I mean? Just one day you are in front of the TV. It's several years of hard work. Kevin has an interesting background. Coming from Ireland, born and raised, he moved to US with this dream in mind. And he today is a host at being sports mm-hmm. yeah and we're gonna call kevin right now, right now. we're going we're, to call <laughs> kevin we're gonna hear his story we're gonna just talk with him a bit tell us just gonna tell us what it's like to be an analyst and what it's like to get to that position to get yes. to his position right now yes so if you would like to become like kevin again or maybe your tv or your favorite Soccer game host or commentatory, this is a really amazing opportunity. This is real insight of the in and out of being a soccer analyst. Welcome to the third preseason episode of Oscotch and King Soccer, soccer Podcast, Podcast Show.
Es que ya llevo un rato mirándote Tengo que bailar contigo hoy Vi que tu mirada ya estaba llamándome Muéstrame el camino que yo voy Eres el imán y yo soy el metal Me voy acercando y voy armando el plan Solo con pensarlo se acelera el pulso Oh yeah, ya, ya me está gustando más de lo normal Todos mis sentidos van pidiendo más Esto hay que tomarlo sin ningún apuro Hey, Kevin, this is Kerry, and we're next here with Oz. Thanks for joining us on the Oz Coaching King Soccer Podcast Show. How you doing, man? I'm brilliant, thanks. Delighted to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. Let's get, let's get right into it, if you let's don't mind. Let's do it, let's uh, do it. Uh, to start off, I'm just really curious. Um, as a very cultural-sensitive guy, I really love to you know compare different cultures, contrast different cultures. And I've never been to Ireland myself, but I've read a lot about you know, on books and online and stuff about Ireland and the soccer, you know, scene, scene in Ireland. And from what I can understand, it seems to me it's actually very similar to the U.S. in terms of, to me, it's, it's not the most popular sport necessarily. It may be popular, but there are a couple bigger national sports of Ireland, Irish sports, just like there are here in the U.S. And so can you just sort of confirm that, like, Soccer isn't necessarily the biggest thing in Ireland. It has maybe it's some similar difficulties in getting traction in Ireland, just like it does in the U.S. Is that true? You are absolutely spot on. Really well said as well, because Ireland has what's called Gaelic football and hurling. Yeah, right. It's a national pastimes there, uh, going back uh, since, you know, 18, what is it, 1888, uh, around that time when the Gaelic Athletic Association was, was instituted. So, yeah, the hurling is a sport with uh, basically a stick, and a small ball, and it's the fastest field sport on the planet. And oh. it's an incredible game. If you ever get a chance to watch it live, it's such a fun game to watch. Mm. How fast and how hard these guys hit each other, but how fast they can move the ball. And uh, then there's Gaelic football, which is a round ball, similar to a soccer ball, but slightly heavier. Um, and it's, uh, I, I kind of describe it as a mixture between, say, soccer and rugby, but it's, yeah. it's something you'd have to watch to, to fully understand and respect. There's basically a soccer goal, but with American football posts coming up beyond the, beyond the goal. So if you, if you kick it over the bar, uh, it's one point. If you score past the goalkeeper and the goal, it's three points. And you can carry the ball in your hands four steps, and then you have to bounce it or else solo it. So it's a really, really brilliant game to watch. And uh, My father was a, a, a Gaelic football player, actually, and he won the All-Ireland title, which is the equivalent of our Super Bowl, right. in 76 and 77 with, with uh, Dublin, the Dublin team. Man. Wow. And that's how they. Uh, that's how my parents met because they that team travelled the US and they travelled you know New York, Chicago, San Francisco, and my, my mother's from Chicago. Okay. So they uh, they bumped into each other in Chicago, yeah, and, and went from there. So it's uh, it's it's a wonderful wonderful sport, both Gaelic football and hurling. And then of course there's rugby in Ireland as well, which is huge. You know the Irish rugby team has been very successful over the past decade. And then you throw in golf as well when you have a player like Rory McIlroy and some right, of the others right. through Ireland. So it's it's tough for, for soccer, particularly domestic soccer. Now, growing up in Ireland, everybody has a Premier League team. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I mean this sincerely. If I could go back in time, 
I would adopt a League of Ireland team much quicker than a Premier League team because I've realised since I've, I've been here in America and, and just, just really following the game that it's so important to support your local team right. and get behind your local team and, and, and support grassroots soccer. So I, I'm an Aston Villa fan and, you know, I don't make any apologies for it. But <laughs> I, 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 I probably should really over the last few seasons. But it's... Uh, it's something that I, I, I've, I've grown to understand is that supporting your local team is, is incredibly important. Yeah, and everyone is. should try and do that. It is. Right. I mean, I've actually seen, I don't know about you, Oz, but I have seen some videos on YouTube, obviously not live, but on YouTube of both Gaelic football and hurling. And yeah, you're right. They both look, I think they both look awesome. <laughs> they look really cool sports. We and should I, try one then. I know. I would like to, actually, my, uh, one of my youth coaches when I was like 12 was Irish. And one practice just for fun, he taught us Gaelic football. Um, <laughs> yeah. It didn't go very well, but. Only, only in the last few weeks. I'm based in Miami with being sports. And in the last few weeks, uh, I've, I've, someone, a few people reached out to me from, uh, South Florida GAA. Gaelic, fo- Gaelic football, basically, mm. and they, it was a few Irish people have formed like a little team down here, and we just do a bit of a kick around in training as well. And there's nice. a tournament in Atlanta in a few weeks, so you should go out and watch. Oh mm. yeah, I'll check I, it I out. can find mm. out the dates and send it on to you because yeah. the tournament's going to be in Atlanta. Do check it, sure. check, check it out for sure. Check it out for sure. Do it, yeah, we will, we will for sure. Um, yeah, I'd also, I mean, I would also describe it as a mix of rugby and and soccer as well. But uh, that's an how, interesting mix. How, that's how, mix. I'm curious, how did you, in a, in a country where, just like the U.S., there are other sports that are you know so much more popular, um, even in the U.S., I don't know if this is true, but Ireland, we often think of as soccer or rugby as like, that's an English sport or European sport, and we try to distance ourselves with, like this anti-English sentiment, you know. But how did you, how did soccer, you know, attract you? What was it that, soccer, that drew you to soccer? I've always loved it. It's been Gaelic football for me in soccer, and there there is a bit of that within the Gaelic football realm because Gaelic football and hurling were set up to basically give the middle finger to the English and mm. to, and, and to soccer and, right. and to say we can form our own sport. Uh, and it was it was during a very tough time in Ireland um, when there was a lot going on politically um, between Ireland and England. And that's when the when the game and the reason why the game was set up originally. So yeah, there are a lot of people that that follow Gaelic football and hurling that wouldn't necessarily go near soccer, and they call it a foreign game still to this day. Uh, but that's not really true for most people because it's it's still a huge sport in Ireland, and uh, a lot of people play it whether it be in a schoolyard um, and not making it to the very best level, or or, or whether it be playing you know at a decent level coming through and maybe getting a trial over in England but the way the Premier League and this is me going on a bit of a rant right now but you know I don't probably need to but the way the the, the Premier League has had this influx of caps and their academies have become nearly irrelevant for the likes of say, Manchester City and these other teams mm. that it's forced younger Irish people I think to maybe look at playing domestically in Ireland first yeah yeah. Or maybe going to a Belgium or a Holland or, or other leagues where they might get an opportunity to succeed because the Premier League is obviously just so difficult to break through when you can buy any player from around the world at this rate with the money they have. I mean, it sounds like uh, similar to Swedish Alsvenskan. Yeah. Uh, a lot of players cannot really take that step to Premier League or even Bundesliga. Um, I remember I saw something on on internet where you commented in a game very long time ago. I, I don't know if you remember it. It was a 
I believe it was an Irish team playing against Elfsborg. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. What were you looking up on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've done my research. I've done my research. That, do you know what? That, uh, that was when I was like 21. Really? Uh, or so, yeah. That's going way back. That was... I do remember it because that was my... I'm guessing it was on YouTube and I'm guessing that was my, my first ever show reel. Mm. Uh, and... Yeah, that's that's pretty cringe looking back at that. Uh, nah, I had to, I had to, because uh, it's it's um, um, you know, growing up, me and my twin brother, wherever we played soccer, right, in the garden, on the beach, um, we always were commentating. You know, I was right. always Milan, he was Arsenal, and we commentating on the games. But yeah, as we're playing it, or as you're yeah, playing it, it's yeah, like, yeah, and then you know, you're like, this is the best job in the world. You know, this is what you want to be when you grow older but it's uh, it comes to a point where you realize man this is not that easy like you know it's live you have to articulate you have to be spot on you cannot really say something wrong so i'm curious how you really got into commentating games like did you go to a lot of live games and felt like you were a part of the game and you could express what was going on when did you kind of feel like you had the talent for for this uh, job I, I that's a great question I, honestly i don't know when i ever felt like the talent to do it i suppose there's a moment you, we all reach in our life where you just decide right if i don't do it I'll never do it. Yeah. And if I don't really give it a go and work hard at it, I'm going to regret it one day and someone else is going to take my job. Mm. It's like anything in life. If you just, if you just decide to press the snooze button and stay in your bed and you're looking for a job, you know, the day you press that snooze button again is the day that someone else is going to get that job. Yeah. And I just think I've always wanted to break into the industry. And I've always wanted to be, for some reason, I've always wanted to be a studio host. That's something that always stood out to me from my childhood, you know, watching a highlight show like Match of the Day uh, of the Premier League or the Sunday game was our daily football and hurling highlight show. They were both institutions in our house growing up as children. Um, so for me, I always watch those shows and thought the exact same thing that you guys just said. It's, how is that not the greatest job in the world when you can go in and research soccer <laughs> and talk about it? Like yeah. It's just beyond belief to think that you can actually do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, what happened was I. I'll try and make this a long story short. And what happened was I, I was playing uh, in a game when I was nineteen, and I tore my ACL. Okay. Uh, I, I completely severed it, and the guy said to me, the doctor said, "You're going to be out of, of playing for close to a year, uh, depending on how you recover." So at that point, I said, right, "I'm so focused on football. I'm so focused on playing each and every day and trying to be." the best and, and whatever else we've been there I have to I have to focus on something else so I I, I always wanted to break in anyway so I, I started going to uh, as many TV shows as I could go to with an audience in Ireland which aren't many mm. uh, a lot of political shows to be honest mm. and I went one day I got the rundown so the running order for the show I just asked the floor manager you know the stage manager I said after the show, the audience will leave, and I, I shook his hand and said, hello, great job. I was wondering, could I have one of the scripts from the show just to, to take it home as a souvenir and, and see you know, how the show was run? And he said, yeah, no problem. And little did I know that on that running order was all the phone numbers for all the people that worked on the show. Mm. So I, I kind of thought, yeah, jackpot, brilliant. So I, I, I phoned uh, a lot of these people. There were a few emails I emailed around as well. And eventually, I phoned the same guy twice by mistake. And he... It was the following day, but he had said to me, 
that point. He said, listen, I'm after hearing of an agency that are set up that, you know, are hiring people to make tea and coffee for the for the network. Yeah. So I, I, I was over the moon. So I, I got an interview there and got the job and I was working on the 04 Olympics in Athens. Mm. But I was doing it from Dublin and well I was done. basically making tea and coffee and, you know, I was a runner. I was doing everything yeah. that they needed me to yeah. do running around. But that job meant that I could see what everyone did within the industry and it also meant that I could shake as many hands and meet as many people as possible. Right. So it was an incredible breakthrough. I, I loved that job and a lot of people don't want to do the dirty work these days and they wanted to decide and be a commentator or so, be an on-air host or they think that by taking Instagram selfies and doing all this rubbish will actually mean that if you get more followers you get a job on TV. It's not true and it shouldn't be true. It should be about your graft and what you've done behind the scenes to, to, to get through that door and then once you're in that door you can start to network and, and really uh, make inroads and that was uh, that was phenomenal for me at the time and that opportunity meant that people would say to you well what do you want to do long term yeah and one of the pieces of advice I got and I'd give this to you guys as well is narrow down what you, even though you don't know say necessarily what you want to do try and narrow it down a little bit because then when something pops up in that realm they'll think of you because you've narrowed it down a little bit and something might pop up and that's what happened to me a researcher job came available for uh, for the 2006 World Cup as well as the Gaelic football show that was on so I've got that job and then one thing led to another eventually I was doing radio reports uh, then I was doing some TV reports uh, you know a couple of little commentaries here and there but not too many commentaries okay. um, and then I said you know what I looked at the, the overall landscape of the it was the national broadcaster in Ireland and I thought, I'm not going to climb this ladder very quickly because all these older guys are in this job for life and they're not going anywhere. And not only that, I just, I absolutely love America. And I have an American passport. I'm, I've had a passport since I was a baby because of my mother. And I just thought, I need to go to America and get in somewhere and experience it and just embrace basically American television and see if I can break in the door somewhere. Right. And, uh, and I gave it a go and... January 20th, 2009, the day Barack Obama was inaugurated, actually. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, again, it was a struggle, a real struggle when I got here, several months, with, with getting rejected after rejection after rejection. And eventually I got a job with the Big Ten Network as a graphics producer. And, again, <laughs> there's something different. Another, long story short, eventually <laughs> broke in doing commentaries there and whatever else. But it's just, a, it's, it's a long old graft. But it's absolutely worth it. And yeah. I think for anyone listening that would like to get into the industry, I think I would agree with you. There is nothing better than going to a game and having a role there. Uh, and, and, and yeah, I'm sure it's fun to, to jump in with whether it's the footy mob or something, Thomas Legion, whatever uh, group you're part of, and, uh, and go and have fun and, and sing and chant. That's amazing fun as well. But going there and, and having a role and being the, the voice of the team yes. for me is something special right? yes I mean the one thing we try to do here at Oz Coaching King Socket Podcast Show is to give fans a little bit of voice give the fans a little bit area to um, let, let's hear what the fans say so we interview fans we are the fans so this is a podcast from fans to fans and it's very inspiring to hear you say all of this Kevin, because um, when I look at the being sports or Sky Sports, all the different um, networks and their pundits, sometimes it feels like it's very 
exclusive group of people, you know, they're ex soccer players and big soccer yeah. players, right? Yeah. And or ex American soccer players or people that've been in the industry for a very very long time. It's like a real inner circle almost. Yeah, that it feels like tough it, right? to break into. Yeah. I know I know you coming from Ireland having an accent and not a ex professional soccer player and you are in this um i don't want to say circle but you're in this uh, job now it's this a concept from being uh dedicated and do a lot of practice yeah uh, and i think uh, thank you and i i, I you know I'm, I'm i'm proud of it too because yes. i i honestly felt at one point like i wanted to uh you know the week after i moved to to chicago i met my now wife and I think, uh, and I didn't plan on that. Believe me, I didn't plan on that at all. I walked into a coffee shop. We thought she was working there at the time. She was in college. Uh, I was twenty three. She was twenty one, and we just got chatting. And and I, you know, I next thing I know, I'm saying, "Hey, can I have your number?" And, and yes. next, thing, next thing we're married. But, but like, well, we didn't get married for a good, good six years after yeah. that. But the uh, the point is that I think my patience was tested. I think I might have gone back to Ireland had I not met Megan and she she gave me a reason to really stick around because I thought it was so hard to break in here uh, and and it was it, it literally was rejection after rejection but then that's like anything in life the one the one break you get and when you finally get in the door that's when you can start to make your inroads it's mm. getting in the door somewhere is, yeah. is really difficult and uh yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's a wonderful industry. It gets me excited every day. I'm I'm so fortunate now that with being sports, they've given me basically my own show every day called the Extra. Right. Um. And I I just absolutely love it. And we get to talk about the the beautiful game every day, whether yeah. it be you know from from interviewing someone like Carlos Bocanegra about Atlanta United to talking to someone from Barcelona, you know, we're hoping to, to maybe have Lionel Messi's or Cristiano Ronaldo's lawyer on the phone later on today. There's lots of... Who are uh, you going to talk to later today? Well, hopefully Cristiano Ronaldo's lawyer. Uh, <laughs> if, not to, if, not, if not today, it's going to be tomorrow. Really? What are you guys yeah, going mean, to talk about? Well, it's it, it, tax issues right now and everything going on. You know, the, 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 the whole smokescreen about Ronaldo joining a different club, I think, yeah. is just to... The, the deflect from the tax issues but Ronaldo's lawyer is going to come on I think and hopefully just clear up the whole situation but but it's just fun every day to yeah. go through and, and, and I'm a major well major major league soccer fan I absolutely love the league I've always loved the league since coming over to my grandmother's house when I was much younger uh, to, to to now and sitting up last night until 1.30am watching Seattle Orlando mm. I absolutely love it so it's it's <laughs> It's a lot of fun, guys. I'm just glad you guys are involved in the industry now, and, and uh, people listening, uh, whoever is that passionate about the industry, yeah. my advice is very simple: stop taking selfies, and <laughs> instead go go get involved and find a way to break in as an intern or whatever else. Figure it out uh, because it's it's absolutely possible. It's up to you guys, and everyone's just good with it. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. We'll get into MLS in a second, but first, I'm just curious, and Oz was curious. He's actually telling me about it. Um, but that got me curious as well. But can you give a little bit of insight on what it's like to be a commentator and to be surrounded by, you know, all these people like you're in BN Sports, you're surrounded by ex-American players, ex-American coaches, Christian Vieri, superstars. Um, 
is everyone like the same on set and while you're commentating is there a little bit of acting involved are you the same off the set as you are on the set I mean, you're always smiling. You're always smiling. You know, you always have the <laughs> laugh. <laughs> so, are you, uh, are you, are you, do you have the same personality on and off? I, I'd like to think I do. Yeah, I, I think I do. <laughs> now, you'd have to ask the people I work with. Every sure. day. We've got a small little team on the edge, and we've cultivated a great little team where we all have each other's back. We look out for each other. We have our meetings every day at a set time, and, and it's, it's fun. Um, I think I. I, I you know, with the job with the summer extra now, I'm co-hosting it with Kay Murray. Yeah. Kay Murray is, I think, the best, uh, I would I would say the best soccer host in this country. She's really talented. Um, and it's undervalued yeah. what her knowledge of the game. Her presentation is phenomenal, but her knowledge, and not only that, I think it's really important sometimes to remember that this is sport, and we shouldn't treat it like we're sometimes at a funeral or, uh, you know, it, it, it can be a, an incredibly emotional game, one that can have us devastated. But it's fun too, and I think what we're trying to do with the summer extra is lighten things up just a little bit, play a few games here or there, um, and just just have fun with it. Like last yeah. night, we had a game with US Chief Scout Thomas Rongan called Right or Rongan, right. where I was the quiz master, and I had to make a statement. For example, I said, uh, "I'll give you guys one and see if you can get it right." Do it. Here it is. Here yeah. it is. Right. Josie Altador earns more in Major League Soccer than Andre Pirlo. Bastian Schweinsteiger and David Villa. Don't look it up. Is that is that right or is it Rangan? Can I go first? Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say that's Rangan. Okay. What about you, Oz? Yeah, me too. Well done. <laughs> yeah. right. so, so Kay and Thomas said, oh, that's right, because they, I think they were thinking of Michael Bradley. It's Michael Bradley earns more. He earns more. Right. But Altador doesn't. But it was, it was just a bit of fun and we're, we're trying to lighten it up. But mm-hmm. overall... Should be doing everything. That's the way a good team should be because 
that has to come across in the broadcast. Yeah. Now, in your preparation for a game, you might my my theory and philosophy on this is that you should probably get across maybe five or ten percent of what your notes say in a game, because just because you have a great nugget on a player doesn't mean you should say it because at any given moment it may not be relevant to the story of the game and, and that's what a, a commentator should be doing is telling the story of the game to the viewer and not getting in the way to like realizing that it's television and laying out and not speaking over everything i think is really important especially mm. at a place like bobby dodd when the atmosphere is absolutely electric it is and you have a chance to just leave it for a while be quiet and let the crowd cheer and speak and and let the viewer at home really realize that this is the best atmosphere in major league soccer i mean you guys really have a good chemistry i we can tell when we watch it on tv and uh, something interesting that i noticed one of the away games for Atlanta United was when I the believe, Real Salt Lake game was it that you're talking Real Salt Lake yeah. game yeah, yeah it was when you and Darren Eels were doing the job together yeah I mean it's for me from being from Sweden it's very it was amazing to see Darren the president of Atlanta United to be a co-host in this game and commentatory it was very interesting insights because he knows the players he knows the club so well and i felt like that was a very very innovative somehow and i'd never seen it how did that come about yeah basically dan gargan from day one said there's one date that i can't do dan has a, a big job as well as uh he's running a soccer camp in st louis for over five thousand kids oh wow <laughs> he's, he's he's the main man that's a lot so he had one event that he had to go to. So there was there was there was a bit of a search, and you know they were looking around at different options. And I think they just said, you know what, for one game, it mightn't be a bad thing for Darren to give some insight into the club <laughs> during the game. And, and there's you know if, if if a player like Brandon Vasquez comes on, yeah, who's going to know more about him? Or if if you if you know if you want to talk about Sarah Mears or if Antoine Walker comes on, and yeah. He comes Tottenham, Darren can offer his perspective. So I, I thought it was really enjoyable. Darren had, had had no experience whatsoever. He didn't. I mean, he was really good at it. Yeah, exactly. And he see, he's he's a good speaker. Yeah, he's someone who has a lot of experience speaking, and that often helps. And he's also a very smart guy, so he learned really quickly. There's a lot of little intricate details with broadcasting, whether it be you know certain buttons you press during the game, or whether it be knowing. When to lay out and not to... Sp- I had to explain. That was one of the big things I said to him. Listen, Darren. You know, from from the edge of the box on one end of the pitch to the edge of the box on the other end of the pitch. That's your area. Anytime the ball goes into the box, you have to lay out. And he said, what does that mean? I said, just basically stop talking. I'd <laughs> 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 lay out. I'd, because at that moment in time, anybody can take a quick snapshot. It's in the back of the net. Yeah. And Darren is still talking about something to do with the, oh, okay. with the game. It's, yeah. So th- those little moments are very important to, to know and understand and have a smell for the game itself. And uh, and Darren did wonderfully. I thought he did a, an exceptional job for that one game. Now, obviously, it's not it's not ideal to have the president calling mm-hmm. the game because if you did that long term, people would 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 say, well, that's you know, basically turned into an advertisement. You know, you won't be saying much negative things about the club. So it was just a one off, and I think we let everybody know at the time it was a one off. And Dan Gargan jumped back in then for the for the Houston game at home, which was our next broadcast. And uh, it was a joy for me to do the five games. I, I miss it 
terribly already yeah. to be honest because it's it's something that I just I fell in love with instantly um, but I hope maybe one day I'll be back with Atlanta United again I'd love to talk about that we miss you too man yeah I know I mean once I once I first found out that you were going to be at least for some of the games the play-by-play commentator for Atlanta United I've watched you on you know, being sports for a while now and I was like wow that's going to be amazing Atlanta United got such oh, a nice you. draw um, talking about MLS how has the league, you're someone who's watched the league for a while now and followed the league for a while now, how has it grown in your eyes? How has, you know, from going to Chicago to uh, a brand new team in Atlanta, how is that, what are the differences there and how has it, you know, affected the league as a whole? The difference for me has been, has come maybe in the last four or five years, I've seen a major change in the league. And a lot of people put it this way, they'll say MLS, you know, 1.0 or MLS 2.0, are we at yeah. MLS 3.0 now? That's probably fair to refer to something like that and that analogy because Chicago, when I, when I was there, the expectations just weren't there. And, and you could see that with the, the recruitment of players. You know, you strike this like Juan Luis Inongano, Sergio yeah. McDonald. You know, these guys are not game changers. Certainly they're different from the... They get you through every now and then, but they're not game changers at all. And then you saw what Toronto did after being the basement boys of the Eastern Conference for so many years, to go out and make real statements like they did. They had had Robert Earnshaw. They had had... Yeah. Um, they had had... Um, why am I blanking on, on? Gilberto. Gilberto as well. Mm. But they didn't have real stars. Then they go out and they take in... Alfred and, uh, and, and Bradley are one thing to do marketing-wise, good players as well. Mm-hmm. But to bring in Jovinko, that was a major statement because a lot of teams wanted Sebastian Jovinko at his age, 27 years of yeah. age, to come to Major League Soccer. Right, that was important. At that time, and pay him the money that they did was a huge statement. Then you saw LA Galaxy do something similar with Gio Dos Santos at a similar age. Mm. And I think we're seeing much more of that now. And it's no longer the, the old, old folks' home of the Frank Lampard's uh, Stephen Gerrard's which were two really Gerrard was a, a poor signing when yeah. we look back at it now even though at the time I thought he would be a better player in the league it didn't work out for him I think his legs were gone and I, I, you know I don't think he was the leader I don't think he had the motivation either to be a part of all the traveling and all the right. time consuming away from your family as it is in in MLS and here's the thing as well Oz, which is which is a good point that a lot of people say well Surely he would have looked at the league back in England. Surely he would have known that. There's one thing, there's one thing knowing that that goes on, and then there's another thing realizing it. I think we could draw any parallel to anything in life without that. Experiencing something is always completely different. Now, I, I became friends with Sean Maloney when he was in Chicago, mm. former Celtic player, yep. and I talked to him about that as well. And he said it really, it's so taxing going, you know, to a place that's could be three hours different time zone, for example, you know, or, um, you know, heading up to the mountains in Colorado uh, or the, the snow, you know, elsewhere. It's yeah. just, yeah. It, it is different when you experience it. You think, you see the atmosphere back, whether someone's from the UK or from Sweden, like we saw David Akam or Igbon mm-hmm. Ike come across from Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, and then experiencing it in, in real life here in America. So I, I'd love to see the growth of the league, though. It's been phenomenal. Uh, I tweeted it last night saying the MLS Live app is one of the coolest things there is because if you've got Chromecast on your TV, the ability to have something on your phone, Chrome it onto the TV, and then you're, you're I, I, you know, my wife went to bed and I'm 
had a cheeky cocktail and I'm sitting there with my feet up switching between MLS games. Really, it's just so cool. To Trust me. To do and... that, that's that's what I do too when my wife goes to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she, she knows too. I said, look, there's some MLS games on. I'm going to stay up. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, stayed up well past my bedtime, but it was worth it. And I'm I'm just still thinking about the Chicago thing. This Chicago team. Right now, they're actually doing better with Schweinsteiger, and he seems to be doing yeah. well. But um, it's certainly different from the Chicago teams of like Blanco and McBride and whatnot. But uh, what has what would you say has been the effect of Atlanta United on the league? A new wave of expectation, and the fans have brought that. It's not the players. The fans have single-handedly done that. You look at the recruitment, and it's been incredibly impressive, whether it be, uh, you know, Miguel Almiron, I think, is the obvious one. In terms of ability to go on and be a major, major player in any team in the world, quite literally, apart from maybe the front four of, of, of Juve, Bayern, Real Madrid, and Barcelona, I think Miguel Almiron could play <clears throat> in any team. And I mean that sincerely. Um, but aside from the, the players, the club as a whole, the front office, the expectation of, of, of Arthur Blank and knowing what he wants to do and going and implementing it. But more importantly, I was blown away after the game against Houston. I went to a, 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 an old country bar. My brother surprised me for his birthday with uh, with his girlfriend. My wife came with me for that one as well because it was going to be my birthday in, in the, on May 20th. And we went to some old country bar uh, that was, had some country music. It was open till 2 or 3 a.m. because we got out late and we finally got together late. And every single bar that I had seen on the way or passed on the way had the game on repeat. Mm-hmm. And then I go into that bar and they've got, the, they've got the sound on during the break even from when the band stopped playing. And everybody was wearing Atlanta United jerseys. Wonderful. And I, I just, you never saw that in Chicago. You never, ever saw that in Chicago. You don't see it around the league other than maybe you know Portland I saw a little bit of it Seattle a little bit of it but to see the Atlanta United billboards and, and promotional elements all over the city and then to to, uh, to go to a bar afterwards and see that to see everybody watching the game on repeat you know people can say what they want about MLS but the intelligence of the fan base in this country is beyond belief right. and I would go as far as saying that when you grow up in Ireland or you grow up in the UK you just accept the way that the game is because it's been around for so long and you don't question things you don't question tactics as much uh, or the way that the game is played or how a club should be run as much I don't think I think people do it more here and I think that deserves tremendous respect and the, the intelligence of the fan base in this country is incredibly good and that should never be questioned I mean you actually put on something that um, you just said something that I really thought about this weekend um, growing up in Sweden I didn't really think that much about tactics you know we watch Arsenal every weekend other games every weekend even Al Svenskan and MLS wasn't that you know it wasn't that league that I even followed but since I lived in the US, MLS have been growing so much on me that I even look into it different eyes. And the best part with Atlanta United in its fan culture is that it's not really forced. It's not plastic. It's it's so uh, more authentic and passionate that mm-hmm. w- once you go to the games, it's like everybody's standing up, everybody's a part of it. And you don't see people there just to be there or just got tickets from someone it's just people that 
genuinely wants to go and watch the games. That's what I really appreciated and kind of reminded me of my old Erebro Esco in Sweden to go to home games. Um, and, um, you know, I have just one last question to you, Kevin. And uh, I want to just say something quick that maybe a lot of people don't know uh, about you that, um, you know, as I understand, you moved to um, U.S., and you started at the BTN network, and you did a lot of um, college, um, college uh, soccer mm-hmm. commentatory. You just keep going, keep going, and you made it. You made the college game exciting too, you know. And uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, how old are you now, if I may ask? I'm uh, 32. 32. So you know, um, from being a 21-year-old and doing the Irish team against Ellsberg and now being 32 more than 11 years later and uh, you actually been to El Clasico, you've been to the game between Real Madrid and Barcelona and being there doing commentatory. How does this journey make you feel and how do you look for the future now? Thank you so much and I've never really thought about it like that but it's uh, it makes me feel very grateful to be honest for a lot of the, the breaks I've had along the way to get look to get lucky really and to get yeah. breaks and to force your way into anything you need people to believe in you and uh, along the way I've been fortunate enough that I've had great people that I've met that have decided you know what I, I want to take a chance and give this guy a go you know for for Darren Eels and Carlos Bocanegra I interviewed them on the extra on my show it would have been last September. And for them to think, oh yeah, you know that 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 that, that Irish guy down in Miami, he uh, he could be good for the five games before Alan Green comes in. For them to believe in me, I, it means so much. It's like anything; you just want to grab it and take it and prove yeah. people right and and work hard at it. Um, but it's been it's been it's been such a fun time so far. And I hope I hope and I, I hope I'm only starting. You know, yeah. I'm 32. I'd, I'd love to keep going for a long, 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 long time. And I'm just fortunate <laughs> that I love my job and, and we'll win today. Kay Murray and I have a lot of fun on the show and we'll just try and bring bring the energy every day because at the end of the day no one no one sits down with their cup of tea in hand or their beer in hand to watch a sports show or a game to, to find a dull broadcast you, mm-hmm. you want it to be fun and exciting and you also want to have the same level of passion for what you're doing as the people have that are sitting down to watch it yeah so it's uh, it's, it's been it's been phenomenal it's been so enjoyable and I'm so incredibly grateful. Kevin, this I think we said 25 minutes at the start, but this has just been so much fun. I, I'm so glad we, we got a bit longer. And one more thing, just to make it a tiny bit longer, but I'm just really curious. It's a complete gear shift here. but uh, And this may be difficult for you to answer, I don't know. But uh, a while ago, Oz and I did a an episode where we talked about... Uh, some giants that giants of the game, giant clubs of the game, like Juventus being case in point, that went through hard times, like going down to the Serie B, but they persevered and they got back right where they where they belong at the top of the Italian game, one of the best in Europe, and as well as even smaller clubs like maybe Leeds United, uh, Nottingham Forest, cl- clubs that used to be so big in the English game that have fallen in hard times, and what's it take to get them back to where they they used to back yeah. to those glory days of like the 80s or so and so as an aston villa fan aston villa fan <laughs> uh, we don't we don't get the chance to talk to that many exactly. aston villa fans <laughs> i knew you were going there 
uh, I'm just curious because I was actually I'm not I'm not a fan per se, but I respected the club growing up. Uh, they were all, I always because thought they were a decent be, be, team because of Olaf Melberg. No, <laughs> not because of Olaf Melberg. No, you know, because I'll, of Brad Guzan. Be the, the reason I'm a Villa fan is the US and the Irish contingent that played for the club. Uh, when you look at the, the likes of Brad Friedel, Brad Guzan, right. uh, yeah. who has played there, and then Andy Townsend, Steve Staunton, all these guys played. So that's the reason I'm a Villa fan, which is a random team to support coming from Ireland. You know, there's literally no Villa fans that I know from my own. But is your question, how can Villa get back to the best? Yes, <laughs> or at least back to, I mean, because the last couple of years, I mean, sorry to say it, but they've been pretty poor. So, <laughs> but uh, at least get back to that decent. Crazy stat? Yeah. Last season, Aston Villa had the 19th, 19th highest wage bill in Europe's top five leagues. Not, wow. not, when you compare it to Europe's top five leagues, no obviously the championship is not in the top five, but it, yeah, Aston Villa had a higher wage bill than Monaco. That was the Champions League semi-final, a higher wage bill than Sevilla. That's insane. So yeah. it's not it's not about it's not about money for Villa because the new owner has money. It's about it's about figuring out who the right people are and the right personalities. And I think Steve Bruce went about bringing in you know grafters like Bjarnson, uh, Conor Horahan as well, who I think will, will work hard. And I think Villa are in for a really good campaign next season. I really believe that. If they can ship off some of the ones that don't care, some of the ones that were brought in under Tim Sherwood or maybe Paul Lambert before that, guys that were brought in under... um, um, I'm drawing a blank again this morning on another name. Um, Anyway, a lot of the French players that just really you could tell, and not to target the French guys, but there were so many French players brought in at once that... There was there wasn't the passion level that you want to see, yeah. and that you need in a forty six game championship season. Yeah. Uh, so it just didn't work, and the team needs to keep Jonathan Kajia, who I think could be a top scorer in the championship, and uh, shore things up at the back. Now I believe there's strong offers gone in for John Terry. Whoa! Yeah, I've got, I've got like the devil, and I've got the saint yeah. on my shoulder. You know, and I, I didn't I, know I, that. Part of, yeah, strong offers gone in. That could be a deal that could be announced the next day or so. So if they bring in John Terry. This is going to be the winner that he was at Chelsea. Now, I'm not even talking about on the pitch because I don't think you buy John Terry nowadays to, so he's going to play 46 games or even 25 games. I don't know if he's capable of that. And I don't know if he's good enough anymore or quick enough to survive that. But what you'd bring him in for is his leadership ability. And I, yeah. I can't claim to know John Terry as a person. We all know him or think we know him from what we read in the press. But if he can come in and be a leader, that's a great sign. But if his checkered past comes up and decides to rear its ugly head again and he's a negative influence and you're paying him ridiculous amounts of money that might just scupper all plans for the Premier League so uh, I think Steve Bruce who's done it before with a couple of different teams whether it be Birmingham or Hull I think Steve Bruce has enough in him to uh, to put together a real run and and try and get that up again I think they're on on the right path I mean Steve Bruce John Terry you know they have they they know what it takes to be up there and the the high professionalism mentality to take and just one last question right I have to ask another one last question I just have to ask you know uh, (laughs) yeah no problem being a big big Ibrahimovic fan do you have any (laughs) inside scoop any rumors, anything that goes on, or what do you think uh, about his next destination? I'm eager to 
interview him once he moves to the United States. <laughs> well, there you said there you said it. You said the first part right. I think he's definitely going to move to the United States. Um, I think. Look, a lot of people jump at the conclusion that he was done for Manchester United because they didn't renew his deal. That's not true. That's that's first of all. Why would Manchester United renew Zlatan on the same deal he was on when he's not going to be available until January or February? That that would make no sense from mm-hmm. United's point of view. You know, he's earning what is it, ten million or something like that. Right. So they'd simply say to him, "Look, Zlatan, you're not available. We'll, we'll offer you say six if you stick around and you play uh, the final few months of the season." But it just so happens that Major League Soccer kicks off in March. So. With that being said, Zlatan could get himself ready, you know, get involved in preseason, yeah. and be raring to go for the start of March. And I think Zlatan has—he's an incredible physical specimen. He, he is with his karate and the way he's held his body together. He's, he's, I, I think he'll bounce back and be really strong. Now, I know for a fact that LA Galaxy, and it's come to a very good source of mine. LA Galaxy have have put in and have been talking to Zlatan a lot. Yes personally so if they can somehow lure him uh, with whatever it is say 8 million dollars a year and he will become the highest paid in Major League Soccer beyond Kaká if they can do that they'll certainly do it and they'll grab him but the problem now is like Sir Alex Ferguson said about Manchester City the noisy neighbour mm-hmm. is starting to say hello over in LA LAFC, <laughs> with, those yeah. 20, yeah, with yeah. those 22 owners I have a feeling that they could put in a real strong bid and try and make Zlatan their marquee signing alongside someone like Andres Guardado. Right. Now, yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, but if you're watching the extra, you would know that yesterday, <laughs> Zlatan's clothing brand I, released a tweet. Yeah, I tweeted that too, actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they, yeah. And they did that in the colors of LAFC, the gold and black. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. And we're Me kind too. of reading into that a little bit on the show, saying yeah. this could be a sign or a little bit of a hint or... The other side of it is, which which we don't we're not privy to seeing, is that he could be in the midst of a negotiation between mm-hmm. either LA or LA Galaxy, and maybe he's just put that out there in order to scare LA Galaxy to try and up the offer just a little bit. So, well, you I know, he's been in the he's been in the game for a long time, so he knows what cards to pull with Mino Raiola too. So, well, you've just said it. Yeah, he's got the meanest agent on agent on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, got, he's got an agent. He's got an agent that has an eighteen year old getting bullied right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I, I'm not from from the outside looking in. I, I it's something about Raiola that just rubs me the wrong way. Um, he's taking know, it like, to a wrong way now. I feel like I feel like when he you know when he had Ibra Balotelli, uh, Hamsik. I mean he was doing really good, but he's taking yeah. it to a little bit um, too opportunistic with Mkhitaryan, Pogba. And um, you know, I think he's taking it to a different level now. It's almost like he's trying to uh, break the records for him for the industry within agents. You know? Yeah, and maybe he is. And, and George Mendes is doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if if uh, if Zlatan makes a move to the US, it, it is to um, it is definitely to LA, and I think. Being the being the king instantly at LAFC, the brand new stadium, the 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 brand new club, it might be Zlatan's type of move. And so, if he moves, and if he moves, we will call you, Kevin, and yeah. <laughs> and one way or another, we will figure out a way for Oscar and King 
Sucker Podcast show to have an interview with Ibra. Okay. <laughs> that would be that would be. And you know what? I I interviewed him once in Chicago. Really? It well, it wasn't a one on one. It was more of a media scrum type thing, and I got a question or two in. Okay. And uh, he, everybody else, it was the Manchester United PSG game. Everybody else. I was at that summer, game. Summer 2015. It was I was there, at that uh, game. Yeah. Oh, you were at the game. Yeah, I was at the game. Yeah. I actually, Amazing. I actually went to the hotel where they stayed. But yeah, go on. That's a that's a different story. Different story. <laughs> go on, go on. No, it's really cool. Yeah. So I was down at the media scrum. You know, you had the likes of Jones and Smalling and all these guys from Man United. Uh, Rooney. They wouldn't even look at us. Wouldn't even look at us. And you'd be saying their name in a kind way, you know, and, and uh, you know, good, good game or whatever. They wouldn't even look at you. Then Zlatan comes along. And it was very Conor McGregor-esque. It mm. was just like, this is my this is my spotlight. Of course I'm going to give you the time. And I, I, I loved it. I, yeah. I just thought, you know what? You have been around the game longer than any of these other players. And you've been a better player throughout your career than anyone else that was on that pitch today. And yeah. you have just said, no problem at all. It's that time. Can I ask you one more question? Absolutely. Yeah. He couldn't have been nicer. Nice. Couldn't have been cooler. Nice. And every single one of us left. And that is how you play the game, though, as yeah. well. Because even though he may have been tired and he wanted to get on the bus or the flight was about to take off and he had to go, he knows he gets it. He's got a clothing brand. He's got other things going on. Yeah. David Beckham was the exact same way. Yeah. If, if you're nice to the people that publish articles, yeah. you know they're going to be kind to you. But yeah. it wasn't just that. There was a genuine nature about him trust me that was infectious that yeah. was infectious that i i just i looked at him like god i often i often gauge things on would i like to go for a beer with someone and there's so many players that i have to say i don't know i'd have no interest in going for a beer with them <laughs> yeah but Zlatan is just yeah. one of those guys that i i'd love to, yeah. I'd love to sit at a bar and just have a chat with him or, or go for a coffee or a tea with him and just and just pick his brain because yeah. he's a fascinating character the longer he stays around the game playing the better we'll all be i mean trust me i was um i was at the hotel uh and just waiting for ibra to come out and i was uh, even calling his his room right so <laughs> it was like uh can i they were like okay we're connecting you to mr ibrahimovic and i was like on the phone i'm like oh my god this is a joke and he's like ding ding i was like Oz, what would you say to him like what would you even say to him you know i'm in the lobby yeah and um So he didn't pick up, uh, and uh, I'm in the lobby with my friend, and it's not that many people, but outside the hotel is like hundreds and waiting for PSG. And uh, once PSG is about to leave the hotel, um, Ibra is the first one that steps outside the elevator. Behind him, he has, you know, David Luiz, he has, uh, um, uh, you know, Thiago Silva, Motta, Verratti, Pastore, all these you know, superstars are behind Ibra. His presence is so big that Ibra is the one, he's not even the captain, imagine. He's the one that just goes outside, you know? And uh, I I, I, I thought to myself, okay, Oz, what would you say to him if you had the chance? What would the the question be, you know? What would you... But Oz, my my question was the most... I I asked him the most stupid question there ever was, I'm sure. Yeah. Because I'm the same as you. His presence was remarkable. Yeah. First of all, what is he, six foot five? (laughs) So he's towering above everyone anyway. Yeah. And then he's got this real confident grin on his face. 
and and you just look at them and, and a lot of players they'll come they'll they'll put their head down next to you they don't even look at you uh, and 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 it's not the case with someone like him and, and David Beckham honestly I talked to Kay Murray about this he was at Real Madrid when he was there mm-hmm. and he he was a similar way incredibly kind always approachable but yes you knew you only had a, a certain amount of time with him because. Yeah he had to go and his people would make that clear he would never be the bad guy um, and and he was just that same kind of presence as well and not many people have that Zlatan mm-hmm. was born with it yeah. Zlatan will always have it and yeah. what a remarkable player he's been for your Sweden too yeah, amazing amazing he gave us so many good memories oh. <laughs> wow all right uh, I feel like we could talk forever yeah. <laughs> I would love to keep going me too me but too. uh Thanks again, Kevin, for being on the so show. Much. So it was brilliant, brilliant stuff. We want to tell our listeners to make sure they listen to SiriusXM that you're on as well. And, uh, of course, watch the extra, extra and be in sports. Yep. Um, yeah. Thanks again so thanks. much for being on the show, Kevin. What an absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. And, uh, yeah, anytime, love to jump on and chat, chat the beautiful game with you guys. That was a real pleasure. And your, your passion and knowledge for it comes across. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. And uh, the more we can spread the game and Atlanta United as well, the better the better we'll be. So, Count on great it. pleasure chatting to you guys. Keep up the great work. And we'll hopefully chat soon. We Absolutely. will for sure. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good Thanks, one. Thanks, guys. Bye. Fancy. Sabes que ya llevo un rato mirándote Tengo que bailar contigo hoy Vi que tu mirada ya estaba llamándome Muéstrame el camino que yo voy Eres el imán y yo soy el metal Me voy acercando y voy armando el plan Solo con pensarlo se acelera el pulso Oh yeah Ya, ya me está gustando más de lo normal Todos mis sentidos van pidiendo más Esto hay que tomarlo sin ningún apuro Despacito Quiero respirar tu cuello despacito Deja que te diga cosas al oído Para que te acuerdes si no estás conmigo Quiero desnudarte a besos despacito Firma en las paredes de tu laberinto Y hacer de tu cuerpo todo un manuscrito the perfect response you'd think that no problem start again keep dominating keep getting uh, pressure on the Iceland back four the only thing that they have got is the big boy up front Sigurdsson who really Sigthorsson oh my oh, words my oh tell us talk us through that Steve I think we know what's happened but talk us through it oh just saying Sigthorsen is the only real threat. Every time they're winning the ball, they're playing the ball into him and he's causing problems. Sterling's, uh, Smalling, I'm sorry, he's not dealing with him very well. Again, a little loose ball from nothing, absolutely nothing. Smalling tries to challenge Sigthorsen, goes to ground, slips, he shoots, and it squirms under the... squirms under the fingers of Joe Hart. 
Well, when we were disappointed watching, that he conceded when that. When we were watching the Wales game, we, we said, was Joe Hart at fault for Gareth Bale's goal? And unfortunately, it's happened again, hasn't it? Because he should have saved that. Well, it has, but it's poor defending from the back four of England there and challenges and going out to the ball quickly. And uh, as I said, Sig Thorson, he's been a thorn, really, for, uh, for Small, and he was there, given too much room. And Joe Hart will be disappointed he's not saved that. Despacito, vamos a hacerlo en una playa en Puerto Rico. Hasta que la sola escrita en Ay bendito. Para que mi sello se quede contigo. Pasito a pasito, suave, suave, suave.